Ah, we here. Big fish shit. Ooh, ooh. Welcome to the podcast. Hope y'all enjoy it. Hope y'all learn something. And most importantly, we hope y'all elevate. Let's get uh-huh. it. Big fish, hit a big lick. We gon' bet it right back and hit a big flip. We been up for a minute and we still lit. Get them cats going top, but we don't feel shit. We just giving y'all gems y'all can live with. Elevate your mind, never mind all the bullshit. Finna talk about stocks, we ain't worry about ops. First get the bread up and buy back the whole block. Ten toes down, we ain't never gonna stop. I'm a man of my word, I ain't never gonna flop. If I said it, then I meant it. Real ones gonna respect it, and it's still OG. It's in me, I represent it. Testing, testing. Check, check, check. All right. No more edits, no nothing. I got my big bro on the show, Jim Dory. Cheers. I'm excited. First guest for a reason. First guest for a reason. I OG Big Fish Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Author of Just Keep Swimming. Make sure you get that. And um, I don't even have to tell everybody to go buy it because I'm confident that by the end of this conversation, they'll be running to the stores to go get it, to learn about the man behind this handsome face who I have the pleasure of calling my big bro. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Dak, I'm so grateful to be here, brother. I appreciate it so much. And like you said, the book I said in it, I said, hey, I don't have to help a lot of people. If it helps just one person to make a change somewhere, uh, it was worth the effort. And some of the feedback that I got along the way from people I really respect has been really overwhelming. And uh, it, it was very great, great, very grateful for the people to take time to spend, uh, read it. Well-deserved. And uh, like I said, I... You know, a lot of people have people come on their shows who they didn't read the books. I actually read this, went back, had to, you know, read it. Actually went back and read some chapters twice. <laughs> Might know it better than me. <laughs> yeah, well, um, it, because it hit me so hard because it's, uh, and I think that'll be the overall theme. And one of the things that I look up to you is the fact that you're able to balance. You know, you're able to balance life with a career, with family, with friends, all of these different areas, which is probably the hardest thing for me, um, feeling as if I'm not getting enough done, yeah. you know? So that's something that I definitely commend you for and um, look up to, and that was my biggest takeaway. So I'm always going back, using it as a playbook, you know, no more football playbook, just have <laughs> life playbook. So this is always on the desk. Well, I'll tell you what, yeah, you know, for as young as you are and as far as you come already and all that you accomplished, it's, it's pretty amazing, and, and you inspire me also. And this book really came about, somebody told me, you know, a few years back, hey, journal every day, write something down, something you learn, something personal, something about business. Uh, and I did. I did it for six, seven years. And then one day I just kind of looked at all of it and I said, you know what, for a younger me, some of these tips, maybe they could have got me somewhere a little bit more quickly. Uh, some of the things you learn about family and life, um, it's not always perfect. And, and I'm going to learn today and I'm going to learn tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But some of what I put there, I said, hey, if I could help somebody get three, three months better or a year better or, or, or five years better, then that's fantastic. And it's, uh, that's what it's all about. And I just picked up on something you said. If the younger version of me, if I could have given myself, the younger version of me, some game to kind of learn different lessons a little bit faster, that's something that I heard in a podcast that you sent me that was one of the things that hit me the most, uh, where it was you are best equipped to teach, coach the younger version of yourself. Yeah, people and, just like you, right, correct. Right, and uh, let's get into the younger version. You know, where did you grow up? How was your upbringing? Let's hear it. Yeah, yeah, working class in New Jersey, not not too far from where you grew up. You know, we had a family business. It was uh, 
a deli, like a neighborhood corner store, which, you know, gave me some life lessons that at the time I didn't really realize, but we had every character of life come through there and just hearing, you know, the guy who was working hard all day, kind of giving his advice. And I was, you know, from literally 11 years old, washing pots back there, um, through college, you know, working there and just some of these people became like a second family and it was cool. You, they'd come in and we'd laugh and some of the older guys, you know, I'd say, Hey, you solving the world's problems today. And, if you listened, you got some real good advice, and I, I still think back to that. Uh, so that was a part of it. Then I went to state school here at Montclair State University, which was phenomenal. I was able to live and work through it. Um, and then I got you know through a couple different sales jobs and just good people along the way, which I talk about, good people that gave me opportunities and reached out a hand to help me. Um, and that's what, fortunately, I got to a spot where I'm able to do more of that myself, and I realized how much that really is the success. You know, it's your family, it's what you do, it's what people say about you when you're not in the room uh, that I learned is really what it's all about. Reputation. Yeah. Reputation. And what you said in the beginning of that, I think everybody should really listen to, where you said, if you listen, you can get some good advice. And that's something that, you know, a lot of times the information is out there. We're getting it from our parents, you know, we're getting it from different people, but for some reason we're not able to kind of just grasp the advice, you know, from a young age, how did you learn that at such a young age to, to where, you know, maybe I should listen to some of the things that the older listen, folks are telling I, me. I, I didn't learn at such a long, <laughs> young age. I always had an answer for something, mm -hmm. but I'll tell you, like, like I said in the beginning here, it's like you got a train coming at you. You know, you see this light at the end of the tunnel. Sometimes it's light, it's opportunity. Sometimes it's a train coming at you. But when you're growing up and, you know, I could tell you, hey, Dak, that's a train. It's going to hurt you. You better get out of the way. And you're going to say, no, I got this. I, I don't think it's really a training. And you got to learn the hard way. And I, I, I learned a lot of hard lessons. I used to laugh early on in my career. I said I outsmarted myself many times, you know, with opportunities going different ways. Uh, but it, it got to be over time that people who took an interest and you, I just watched people who I admired and respected and see the way that they, they acted. And then I got to say, hey, I got an opportunity to get exposure to some really good people I got to hear what they have to say. You know, what I, I know what I know, mm -hmm. but I got to hear what they have to say. So over time and even even in marriage, you know, my wife will tell you, it took me it took me some time to, to listen better. So I think I'm getting better at that. Yeah. And I think she would say the same. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure he's the perfect husband. I'm sure she would say that. But <laughs> it's funny. You mentioned in the book. You're going to have to edit that. She <laughs> will not say nah, that. Sam, will, Sam, Sam we trust love me. you. Yes. Sam, the perfect husband. And of course. Only because you're the perfect wife, though. <laughs> but um, you mentioned the train coming. Yeah. Tell that. I mean, I'm going to focus in on the story. You can elaborate on it. Sure. But to me, going back to the point where, you know, giving the game to the younger version of yourself, you said in the book where if you can, you, you talked about how if, if you can only, if you already know what's coming down, it makes it a lot easier for you to tell somebody else, you know, if you've been in a lot of those tunnel situations where you got a train coming at you, it helps prepare you, learn those lessons, and then gives you the ability to pass it along to the next person. So Anthony doesn't have to go through it. Correct. Anthony, his son. Correct. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's funny. I, I just had this conversation with somebody today. We we're talking about people who say, oh, money isn't everything. Money isn't happiness. You know, it, does, it doesn't change your life. And I said, when you're early and you're scrapping and you're trying to get it, you hear somebody say that and you say, oh, you say that because you have the money. And then as people get more successful and they have more things, once you could take care of your family, you got a house, you got food, you're not having to worry about the next check, it gets a little different. And, and it isn't about 
you know, how, you know, what's the zeros in your bank account or whatever, you start to really realize that that is not going to make you super happy. And you look around and I, I remember being real young in, in, in the company I was in and I you got to sit in some of the first board meetings and I'm looking around the room at some very, very wealthy, successful people. And at that age, I kind of looked around. I said, I don't know that I would trade places with any of them right now. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was a good sign for myself saying, hey, that, that's good. You're, you're content. You're, you're happy with what you are. Uh, you know you're going to do more, but you know money isn't it. And, and, and you see that more and more. And the, the people you talk to is, you know, as I get older and, and the career goes along, the people you talk to are more established. And you hear that a lot. And, you know, recently I heard somebody say, he asked, you know, he deals with a lot of billionaires. And he says, I always ask him, would you give up all your money if you're you know, 80 years old now? Would you give all, all your money to be your 20-year-old self then and go back in time? And every one of them says yes, because the money is not going to take you further. Mm-hmm. It's the time. Yeah. It's the time, the impact that we make on people. Uh, money isn't everything. Like you said, when you're younger, like even right now, you know, I get into debates with my group chat where I'm like, no, money is everything. Like money, <laughs> money is everything. It impacts It's important. Everything. It is. But it, it's, a, it's a tool. It's a tool that can alleviate some pain in different areas, soothe certain things. But there has to be that balance where, you know, like that, that was my main takeaway um, from, you know, just keep swimming with a focus on, you know, you it's not like you sat here and said that, oh, well, there's nothing to do with your success. You know what I mean? And you said that success aligns with happiness or it should align with your happiness in different areas. But um, that's something that I, I struggle with, you know, being young. I'm kind of just, you know, forget being happy. Sure. Like, I'm like, I don't care. Like, the, the more pain, better. You know, the more uncomfortable situations, the better. Like, I got to go out there and get it. How did you get to that point to where you're seeing things from the mature standpoint that you see? Yeah, listen, I, I'm evolving, too. I mean, you'll see somebody who says, I surf all year long. I travel the world. I have nothing. I live out of a bag and I surf and they're super happy. And I look and I say, that's, that's great for you. You got somebody else who says, you know, I founded a company. I work 150 hours a week. I don't see my family at all, but I, my, my mission is to drive this company because I think it's that important. And that's great for them too. You got to find your balance. And for me, and again, it, it is not like I have the answers. I say here, I'm going to learn, you know, I'll learn yesterday. I'll learn tomorrow. But that answer keeps coming to you and say, what, what is success going to be for you? And I remember early on, again, meeting a lot of people that made a lot of money and they would talk about their kids and all oh, my kids, you know, my kids in Florida for rehab, my kid, I haven't talked to my kid, my kid's got this issue. And my wife and I would talk about it and she said, why, why are so many people in that situation? I said, yeah, I don't know. I said, you know, we're going to do everything we can to not be in that situation. So stay home, do the, you know, skip some of the things that could be fun, but take care of your family. And to me, my reality was if, if my kids didn't do well and don't do well, then, then that's not really a successful career. And there are balances. There's people who are going to tell you, you got to put all your time into it. You got no time for family. And again, if that's what you want, that's great. And I don't judge anybody any different way. Cause I, I don't know what the right answer is. Mm-hmm. I know for me, um, you know, if you're miserable all day at work, and there, there was times during my career where the grind was very, very tough, and, and you, you finally come home, you're just burnt and spent, and that's not fair. You know, your family's there, and, and they need you. They get to see you. So how do you find that time to, to give them 100% and be, you know, I think what, what I realized is you got to be you at home, at work, the same. You can't be happy at work and then, you know, checked out at home. That's not fair. And um I get a lot more out of it. It's, you know, the time, the quality time is it makes the world a difference. So again, I'm still learning it and 
the answers may change, but uh, it's you got to be every day waking up charging and feeling good about it. And really, if you're dreading it, if you're dreading what you do or the people you're dealing with, you know, I, I made a career change only about a year ago, you know, related. But I, I said there was some things that were changing in, in the people I was dealing with. And I said, a year from now, I can't be here. Mm. And it was a commitment I made to myself and nobody else. And, and that turned out to be what, what I did. It's funny because when I think back to where I would see, I guess, one of my big, my greatest successes, well, making it to the NFL. No doubt. It's, um, it's unbelievable. Yeah, and, and the reason why I say I guess is because I was such a shitty person. Like, not, I don't think that my friends would say it, but more so with my family and stuff, okay. where I just wasn't happy. It was very stressful, a lot of anxiety. You know, here you are, you're seen in this, you know, position where you've quote unquote made it. Uh, you know that it's not guaranteed. You know you're an uh, injury away, you know, tripping down the stairs or playing basketball, <laughs> coming down on your best friend's foot, uh, whatever it is. <laughs> Sounds like just a story. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, whatever it may be, you know, I'm, I, I realized later on down the line, I got a conversation with my brother. He's like, yeah, you know, you weren't really that, you know, pleasant to be around. And I get it. And I think they understood it. So that's what was so uh, I was so fortunate, you know, the support system there. But that's not success. If it's just if you're just making it in a certain area, but then, you know, to your family and your friends, you're not really the person that you should be to them. It can um, it can tear away at a bunch and it doesn't feel that good. Well, I'll you know? tell you what, you help me to understand that. It, it, obviously, it's hard to make it to the NFL. I, I understood that prior. But the way you describe it and the work that you got to put in and you got to be perfect and you got to outwork everybody else. And they're always looking to upgrade the teams that are always looking to take you out. And you are a commodity at that point. So you make that easy to understand. But probably you couldn't have done what you did if you didn't make those sacrifices. And that's the same as some entrepreneur who's going to live in their office or in their factory as they just crank it out for hours and days and years. And sometimes it fails, but they couldn't have got to where they were. So I look at everything and say, you know what? Every piece of it made you what you are today, and you got to realize it at a much younger age. I mean, there's people that, you know, they, they make this career, and they're 65, and they say, great, I got millions, I could retire, and nobody talks to them, and they got nobody. And that, that, that's, that's failure to me, you know, mm -hmm. again, maybe for them not. But you got it early, and you understood. You, you, I, I don't know that there's a way to be in that league or similar leagues and not give it 100% and not come home. And, you know, I had a friend, his, his brother coached at uh, – at Notre Dame, and uh, he talked about having his kids, and I said, oh, that must be cool. Does he bring his kids to, to the facility sometimes? He started laughing. He said, he doesn't see his kids during the season. Yeah. He says, it's, it's all year long. They're in there hours on hours and hours, and when the season ends, they're on the road recruiting. And until you're in that, and then you hear what it takes to make it work, nobody else knows. So the way you do it and the way you achieve it, you, got, you had the right plan because it worked, right? There's a lot of other people that tried to do it, they were miserable, and they didn't make it there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's a good point because it's the entire organization. It's the coaches. I had a newfound respect for the coaches, scouts. As soon as the season's over, I'm thinking they have long hours then, but then they're just on the road, moving around, recruiting, spotting new talent here and there. But it, it's, a, it's a tough gig. But you brought up something that uh, – well, everything that you're saying is triggering different <laughs> things in me. Good, And good. it's because – I was motivated by fear, I think. And I think that's what a lot of 
these competitive environments like the NFL, you're really motivated by the fear of getting cut the next day. And when I'm talking That's to real. Them, and the coaches, they'll tell you, they'll say, hey, that seat that you're sitting in, yeah, doesn't have your name on it. The, the, and they'll, they'll always let you know, like, you need to be available. You know, oh, you're injured? Okay, well, there's a difference between being injured and hurt. And they'll let you know. And I get it. You know, a lot of times their, their lives are on the line. You know, their livelihood is on the line just as much if you're not performing up to, you know, a certain standard. So it's tough, but I don't necessarily run from the motivation from fear, but it can take a toll on you. So I do want to be motivated in a different way as I mature, you know, as I, cause the, the fear, you know, it, that, that's what has you not being yourself. Yeah. You, yeah. you can't be on uh, full adrenaline 24 seven every day. That's not, that's not a life. That's like living on a razor blade. Right. Mm -hmm. So you got that, but you, you already know the perspective that you're mm -hmm. trying to get, which is more than people are going to get. So you're ahead of that. So mm -hmm. I feel good for you on that for mm -hmm. sure. And that, that's part of what makes you special mm -hmm. because you, you're, you're okay talking about that and saying, Hey, that got me there. Do I need to have that same kind of drive to get to what I want tomorrow? Maybe you do. I mean, you got big ambition. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I have no doubts. What, you know, the sky's the limit for you. I said this guy could be the president for sure <laughs> of the United States because uh, you got the personality fills the room. You got the energy. You can walk into any room. And that, that's, you know, when you talk about your younger self, that's one of the things I learned a long time ago, too. You know, I talk about in here, I was able to go to a program at Harvard Business School. You know, my company sent me. I was, you know, married. My kids were, you know, younger. You had to go live on the campus for two months, but it was a phenomenal opportunity. Um, it's a very select group. But going up there, there's 150 executives from like 70 different countries, and they were big, big jobs. And even being a grown man and an adult and a parent, I'm walking up there saying, am I going to be able to hang with these people? You know, is this, is this going to work out? They're super smart. They're super successful. What is it? But what I quickly realized is, and, and that's where, Growing up, you know, and, and learning at a young age and learning from the streets also, it helps you to, to size people up and understand. And it didn't take me very long to look around. And I said, everybody's got the same exact thought going through their head. It might be going through in a different language, mm -hmm. but they are thinking the same thing. And, and I think of one story. There was a, we did an early negotiation drill. And the fellow that they put me with was, uh, he's now a general in the Marines, Frank Donovan, which, you know, thank you for your service, Frank. Thank you. Phenomenal guy, phenomenal guy. So we're sitting down to negotiate some you know, pretend deal with two very successful financial executives from you know, different parts of the world. And so we're making our strategy. Now, this is where the naive part of me, this is a guy who strategized you know, for, for very high risk things with thousands of people and you know, world peace. And, and I'm giving him some advice on, on how we should negotiate. But I said, listen, they're number guys. We're not. So if they start trying to talk numbers, we got to stay away from that. <laughs> and we play stuck with strength. it. Play yeah, your play your strength. strength. And, and, and God bless Frank because he, he, he stuck with it. And it was just funny. We, we did very well in it. But you, you kind of look back and I said, you know what? I can be in any room. Mm -hmm. There's no room now that I wouldn't, I wouldn't fear or think that I'm, I'm outclassed or there's smarter people. And there's going to be. There's going to be smarter mm -hmm. people. But the skills that make you good at what you do and make you real – and you listen and communicate with people, translate into any room, in any situation. Um, and that, that's something that I, you know, I wish I knew a lot earlier. Mm -hmm. And the perspective, walking in the room. Because if, even if you feel that way, it, it's almost like you have to have a, a certain balance between um, humility and confidence. Where it's, you, know, you want to be the person in the room that I want to be in a room where everybody you know, is smarter than me, is 
wealthier, is more successful, because that means I'm going to learn the most. I'm going to get the most out of this room. That's how I'm looking at it. But I also want to walk in the room and know that, you know, there's a certain respect level where they know that, hey, I have a certain level of value that I can bring to the table as well. And um, maybe my lane may be a little bit smaller, but I can show you some things in my lane as well. Yeah, and that's a great point. I, I talk about that one a lot because you are you know more about some things than I will ever know about those specific things. There's some things that I'm going to, you know, just know more because of what I do. But you don't know. You you got to listen to people and you got to get in the room and hear them. But you're always going to bring something to the table. It might be they could be talking about engineering, which I know nothing about. But the process and the conversation and the negotiation, I, I can help. I can help in any situation there. So that's one of those things when I'm talking to, to younger people. And I, I always, whether it's asked for or not, you know, I see somebody good. I just want to talk with them and, and kind of give them just some pointers that have helped me. And I, I say, listen. There's going to be a time. Your reputation, which we talked about earlier, is everything. And you don't get to choose. There's going to be a time when there's people in a room talking about an opportunity or promotion. You don't know who's in the room. You don't know that they're mentioning your name. You need as many fans as you could possibly make. And how do you do that? By being a good person, being outgoing, getting to know everybody, following up, doing your job, being great at the job that you do today. So when that happens and that door closes and there's six people talking about you, they're nodding their head and going, yeah, Dak, he's a great guy. He, he could kill. He, he is the perfect person, and a bunch of other people are nodding their heads. That's how you're going to set yourself up to just keep growing and succeeding in whatever you do. Mm -hmm. And you talk about reputation a lot, and I think it's good for everybody to understand, ourselves included. Uh, you know, you, you can't fake it. You know, you can't fake it. The only way to improve a reputation is, in my opinion, is to demand more out of yourself and – set a higher standard for yourself. Like if you set a higher standard for yourself, then you're going to be consistently doing different things that are going to align with that new standard and live up to that new standard rather than, you know, just trying to come in a room faking it. You know, you're, it's your reputation. Yeah, I'll tell you too, Doc. I used to, like you'd see somebody speak up on a stage and I would be like, man, so polished. They sound so good. I want, And I, I go back to a story when you say when you're younger and not taking advice. I was in college and it was a public speaking class and – the professor grabs me after the class and she says, I want to help you. You have the classic North Jersey tough guy accent and we got to help you lose it. And I, I gave some real smart ass comment to her and I, I declined to take the advice. Uh, and I used to think like, you know, I'd go into rooms and say, do I sound like, I sound like you're in a movie, you know, like Bronx Tale or something. I'd say, <laughs> do I sound less intelligent because I sound that way? And for a while I would be, you know, aware of it and say, maybe I should have took her advice. It took me a long time. And then I said, you know what? One day there was somebody was speaking and he was like, you know, he was a guy from Brooklyn or whatever, but now he was a CEO at his company and he was so authentic and he was just him. He wasn't trying to be polished. He knew his stuff and he was motivational. And I said, you know what? You don't have to sound a certain way to be great. If you got the content and you're authentic about it and you care. And that's, that's the thing that I realized more and more is just be open with what, what you think and what you hear and what you feel in business when you're talking to people they could sense it, and you could sense it. Like you said, your reputation is, you know, if you're a phony and you're always nodding your head yes, and you, you got to be real. You got to do what you say you're going to do. You got to listen to people. Um, you know, I, there's one, I, I, you know, as you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts because I'm always sending them to you too if I think it's going to be one you appreciate. And the one guy, he, he talks to them. I think it's Ed Milet, and he talks to them, and he'll say, your face just changed when you mentioned that. And in my head, I'm thinking, this guy's listening so well 
that he's also studying your face and your body language. That's another level that you want to get to. And, you know, it's something that I learned, then I'll work on it for sure. I'm sure there's some science behind it. But to me, if you're looking at somebody and watching their reaction that close, you are certainly listening very well, too. You just brought up a great point that I see as a huge difference between like I'm gonna outdate myself, but no, not, not you that can't I'm, outdate not, me. I'm not gonna say back in the day, but even I feel like my generation was the last generation where you had to actually have soft skills and talk to people and develop those interpersonal skills from a young age. Because unless you had your own phone, most of the time you got your house phone, you're calling somebody else's house phone. So if you're calling a girl or even calling your homeboy, <laughs> but especially when you're calling a girl. That's the first time you had to get your sales pitch together. You had to, and you had True. to make sure that you're coming across. We'll talk about, you know, being genuine. I want to dive into that as well. But you had to get your, like, hi, Mr. Brown. Like, this is David. It's Jessica. <laughs> like, you really had to. Who? You had to. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm, I, I'm in fifth grade. I'm, I'm, yeah, I go to school with her. Who's this call? You know, and you're really, you have, that's the first time that you're developing those skills. Even from picking up somebody at their house. You know, you can just, you know, text, I'm outside. You got to come in, introduce yourself. Everything's just so different now where a lot of the kids, they're just so used to DMing, swiping left, swiping right, double tapping. They don't develop those skills to just talk, to read people, body language you mentioned, all these different things. Most of the time you have a conversation with somebody younger and they're looking down. They're kind of intimidated by it. And for whatever reason, now they, they're advanced in some areas, but this is one of the soft skills the emotional intelligence, that's something that I see that our kids are really lacking. You know, it's funny. I, I, don't, I don't know where I'm on that because you learn from everybody in a different way, right? So I, I say my son is, is you know, great with TikTok and, and everything else. And some of it, at first, you're like, what is this? And then you see this guy who's an influencer. We went one time to see Logan Paul before I even heard his name. He came to New York City. It was like the Beatles arriving. It was pandemonium. And at the time, he was really just doing things on YouTube and making videos. So I was old enough that I could have just said, this is you know, stupid. What is this? But you realize these guys created an industry. So the way they communicate might be different. But that's like even at my stage, like you get younger people coming into the company and wherever you're working and you got to. They're very, very smart. They can handle a lot more. And some of them are like, hey, I'll handle a CEO problem tomorrow. And you got to reel them in a little bit, but they bring something to the table. And then the only way I think you can be successful is if you can move with those different generations and be open to hearing the way they think and how they communicate. So it's different to you. And, I, and I, it's funny because somebody showed this old picture and it was, you know, here's a family. Everybody's looking at their different screens but they go back to some old black and white photo and it's all of these people holding a newspaper in their face. So they're doing the same thing, but it's like, you know what? It's not totally different. So I always try and, you know, yeah, there's a little less of it. It's easier to text somebody. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you got to coach somebody and say, hey, did you follow up? Oh, yeah, I emailed them twice. I didn't hear back mm -hmm. from them. Okay, you know, you got to call, make a phone call, mm -hmm. you know, go see them. So there's, there's different skills, but like you said, try and learn from what they're great at and then help them on the ones that you think are important. Now you see why he's a tremendous leader and CEO. <laughs> the CEO adapting to have, but that's a good point though, because even like as you're in the leadership position, you're adapting your style based on the talent that you have coming in. Yeah. So that way your entire team can reach your desired goal. It's almost like in school, 
where now they're implementing different ways for, okay, every kid may not learn this particular way, so let me figure out some other creative ways to where this young man can learn. And even in your book, you discuss that you got to a certain point where you had to figure out your learning style. Yeah, that's it. And it is funny because you say, like, there's people today who are just like, yeah, I got no use for math. I got no use for science. And they're going to be super successful probably in something else. So can the schools customize it and help them along the way? I don't know. But as a business, we have to, right? Because if this is your this is your talent pool and this is the generation coming up, you need them to be your future leader. So you're going to have to adapt and go. And it's funny. We, we have a training tool. It's called Exonify. Not that it's a commercial form, but... So it, it gamifies. Check, yeah, check it out. <laughs> it, it gamifies the, the process of learning. So something that would have been a binder that somebody sat down and flipped through, now they give it a personality, and 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 it's smarter because if they get the answer wrong, it brings them back another time. It gives them tutorial. So it's a game that they're used to seeing, but it's giving them good information. So you're kind of combining both, and that's the kind of stuff that has to keep evolving because mm-hmm. if you keep trying to force them into saying this is how you got to learn it, and, and yeah, I did. I always looked at it and said, you know, you think like everybody in school, it comes easy to them, the ones that are doing well, and you don't realize who's doing the work or who's just, you know, somebody's just smarter than you, and that, that's okay too, but then you start to, you got to understand where the things that you're really good at, you can use them to excel, mm-hmm. and maybe you're not going to have the highest grades in the class, and, that, and that's okay too, um, and, and you know, we, you try and talk about that as a parent too, to say, you're doing your best, you're doing everything you can, you're trying to get extra help. If your grade comes out to be a C, that's it is what it is. If you if you know you did a hundred percent, you know if you're half-assed and you didn't really study and you know it turns out to be a B, that's not good either. So you know you got to be able to push yourself, and 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 help everybody to to do it at the speed that that they're good at. One hundred percent. And um, one thing I do want to touch on, you said the newspapers back in the day. You are right. I told you I was watching Wall Street. <laughs> Yeah. I was watching the movie Wall Street. With, what's the guy? Gecko? Gordon Gecko. Gordon yeah. Gecko. This is the first time News watching Newsflash. He's just watching it now. <laughs> yeah, last night, literally. <laughs> and I didn't even finish it, but I saw that in the beginning of the movie, he's walking through the city, and the newspaper, I realized, replaced the phone. Yeah. Everybody walking through this. Well, he's walking through, and he's glued to the newspaper. So it is It is the same thing as the phone. Yeah, a, a little lot of different, ways. but it's yeah. like, you know, we're not that much different, right? Right. right. But we adapt. And I think that's... That's almost like one of those things that can be seen like across life where different people, we, we sometimes highlight our differences, whether it's generation to generation or whether it's just culture to culture, when, you know, if we can kind of create and focus on the similarities, then we'd probably be in a much better position. hundred percent. You know, as I got a little more exposure, like I, I never, I don't travel other than work, travel locally. So I, even going to that program at Harvard, I said, I, I consider myself a travel illiterate because I didn't be, I wasn't all over the world. I didn't know all these countries, but getting exposure to people that come from other places and have different religions and different cultures and hearing them talk with pride about what they do and understanding it. And they're so happy when you take an interest in it to tell you about their customs and everything. It's just very cool. And, and then you start to see it and notice it in other places. Oh, yeah, I know. It's Diwali. That's why there's fireworks going out tonight. It's not somebody shooting off guns, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's something that I was able, I, I, I appreciate more and more as I go on and, you know, reading and listening to different things. It's just, it's just cool. It's just open up your mind, but you're right. When you're connecting with people and it's not like, oh, they're a Republican, they're a Democrat or whatever they are, mm-hmm. they're a good person taking care of their family, trying to do the right thing. They want a safe place to be. 
So we officially are running for office. <laughs> Dory Caldwell. I'm running for VP. He's running oh, for president. We, we, we switched go. it up. Uh, I don't know if I need to wait a couple years. I forget the age, but we'll figure it out. But um, but no, seriously, everything that you're discussing, it's almost like I want to grab my notepad and take down notes seriously because everything that you just said, especially for the young people listening, it's be it, it's how to become relatable with people. And I was reading a book over the last couple of days about how to choose a mentor, but you almost have to sell yourself to a mentor. You know, you get somebody who is at a certain level, they probably have a bunch of people asking like, hey, can you mentor me? But you have to get more specific. You have to learn about them, learn about what they're interested in, learn about what nonprofits they're interested in, learn about their hobbies, all these different things. And when you really take a genuine interest in their culture, in the things that they are interested in, it, it it allows you to connect with them on a level that's not just surface based where, oh, I'm successful. So, yeah, I want you to mentor me because you're successful. Yeah, you're right. And they're, and they're looking at you. Right. So that some people are not comfortable with it. And, you know, I was fortunate along the way, different people that helped me. And I think back too of people who tried to help me that I wasn't smart enough to know at the time that they were throwing out a helping hand and I, and I didn't. Uh, I didn't see it or recognize it, but, you know, Dean Janeway, he was the former president of our company. You know, met him at the, at the gym years ago. We had a group of people. We'd go real early in the morning. That's one of the things I tell everybody to get some discipline. You know, everybody you know who's, who's doing well and succeeding has a program that they follow. It usually starts with waking up early and getting going. But anyway, I met him, and, and he was super successful. We, we had a good rapport for years until he said one day, come come work with us. Uh, and that was 20 years ago, and, and I love him, and I got to see him in action. And we didn't have a um, a formal mentor program, mm -hmm. but he just, you know, I saw how he treated people and what he did, and and I learned from it, you know. And and then you you learn from other people. You know, I, I was at a dinner one night, and the priest said, "Everybody's good for something, even if it's a bad example." And I think of people who didn't do the right thing, and I learned from them. I was like, I'd see, you know, as a kid, some of those same people. I'd say, man, I I don't ever want to have to live like that. I don't want to go to jail. That seems like a bad place. So I'm, I'm going to do these things instead. And so you, you're always learning. So that mentor, you got mentors every day that you may not even realize it's not some formal arrangement, but that's what I, I try and do with others too, is, is to, to give them the advice, the ones who want it and the ones who'd never come back for it. That's okay too. Either they don't want it or they didn't recognize it like I didn't. Uh, and that's okay too. But you know, if you could keep throwing out, you know, the lifelines and the helping hands and one, two people take it and you lift them up. And, and to me, I, I say all the time, to me, what, what success would be is, you know, I'm at the end of my career and I look around and I can see tons of people succeeding that I had some small part in. Hopefully more, I help more people than the number of people that helped me. I think that's, that. damn, that's a good way to look at it. That's an excellent way to look at it. And since we're on the, the topic of mentors, I want to ask you, if you had the five most influential people and they don't have to be people that you knew personally, but just growing up, um, you know, up to this point in your career or just what kind of helped jumpstart you, change your mindset, um, who, who would those individuals be and why? I tell you, my mother first, which, you know, as always, I hear a similar question in places and I think of that. And she was a person who you know, had you know, limited education, raised five kids, worked all the time. She would give you the shirt off her back, literally. And when she passed away, you know, I remember we lost her unexpectedly and we had this deli at the time. And I was, you know, all of these people showed up. It was 
I've been to a lot of wakes and funerals where there's a lot of people, but there was hundreds of people. And some of them drove a long distance and waited on a long line. And some of them would come up. And I remember one guy said to me, you know, tough-looking tough guy. I didn't really know him. And he said, you know what? Your mom's was the only one that had anything nice to say to me most days. He said, I, he just knew her from coming into the yeah. store. And it just left such, such an impression on me that you could, you could affect so many people without having some big title or anything else. So her, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mom won. Yeah, mom won for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, my whole family is as one group. You mm-hmm. know, I'm the youngest of five. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a lot of lessons, as you know, hard lessons and good lessons. And thank God we're all real close to this day, which is phenomenal. Um, so my family and my wife and kids, you know, is you know, everything I do is related to, to them. And, and that people say, what's your hobby? My hobby is my family. Mm-hmm. It really is because... When you're not working, that's what I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned Dean Janeway. Dean, phenomenal. You know, he just, he, you know, he, he's just like an icon and just helps so many people. And even even now, like he's been retired for years, people call him, uh, somebody I know is sick. Can you help him get to the right doctor? Yeah, he mm-hmm. takes care of it. So you know, those those kind of guys. And uh, yeah, it's just five. I don't know. I mean, I, I look we to. Can, we I, can, we'll, we'll do the. Maybe follow yeah, up yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep yeah, it okay. open. Okay. But I, I think you. I, appreciate um, that. I think you have a strong uh, core right there. Yeah. So um, no, it's uh, there, there was one of the things that I wanted to go back and focus on, um, and it was it was in regards to helping kids choose their mentors and why it's so important to have certain mentors. And you mentioned a great point where you can get this mentorship from a lot of different places. So a lot of kids. They're stuck in their, they, they may feel that they're stuck in their environment. Um, but in a lot of ways, they have access to things a lot more than us because yeah. some of my mentors I've never met. They're just on YouTube. You yeah. know what I mean? And I, anybody that I can learn something from, you know, I can place somewhat that mentor tag on them. So if you're a young kid, you know, you tell me, you know, what, what, would, uh, what would you recommend as far as like them going out and getting mentors? And obviously it depends on what industry they're in, but yeah, I'll tell you what. So like when you establish your career, you're in college, Mm -hmm. LinkedIn's phenomenal, right? You and I kind of met through that Mm -hmm. and the the resources that are out there are just phenomenal people. You you make a connection, you got something in common, you see their content, people who are doing things that you think you want to do or doing things the way you think you want to do them, follow what they're doing. If you're younger, it's the same thing. You you can get these influence on, on YouTube you know, my son, Anthony, he loves bodybuilding. He'll show me David Laid, and he's like, here's his videos. And it's like you hear these guys, and they're young guys, and they're so well-spoken, and they got a message about whether it's fitness or about how to blow up on, on online and all of these different things you can learn from. So I would say content, content, content. You know, I, I spent a lot of time in the car even still, and I just flipped through all kinds of podcasts. Today, today I started one that was covering the Bible in one year. So they're reading the Bible and teaching you about it. I probably should have read it a lot sooner, but now I'm going to listen to it. But there's so many. It's like you could get a free PhD by just listening to all of the different content that's out there. You want to take classes, a Stanford professor for free online, you got no reason to not do it. So it's pretty wild. I think there's more um, more resources than there ever was. So I think that's the way to do it, and it is to be on all the time. You know, you could be playing a game for five hours a day. That's okay if that's what you want to do. But you could play the game for an hour and then spend three hours scrolling through different content, reading about the industry or the school you want to be in, reading about your favorite athlete. But get past the headline of what they did yesterday. Read about what kind of charities they're involved in, what kind of work routine they have, 
what's their family style like? And then you start to really see, just like I said, like from you, you learn a little bit about, oh, it'd be cool to play in the NBA. I think I want to do that. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to do that, you'd be working 24-7, and you would be just dedicating your whole life to it. So it starts to help you understand, you know, I think I want to, you know, own a company. You know, Diary of a CEO is another guy I listen to, and, and, and he talks about the bad side. You know, he sold his company for hundreds of millions, but he's like, the the what I gave up to get there, that story never gets told, and you need to know it. So getting all of that content and speaking to people. I mean, you can go up to anybody. Young kid comes up to you and says, you know, that one guy goes up and says, I, I like the car you drive. What do you do? Mm -hmm. Just learn about people. Mm -hmm. You're going you're gonna to just get so much, and it's just going to put you in front of the, you know, everybody. Mm -hmm. And you spoke twice about a system. And I, that, that to me is something that I've noticed that the most successful people always have. Yeah. They have a routine, they have a system, and they don't budge when it comes to that. Uh, and you, you tell me, you met, one of you got your, one of your biggest breaks in the gym in the morning. Yeah. So it's funny, went to a conference the other day, and it takes me back to my striker days when I was doing the medical device sure. sales. And they used to always say, yeah, you have to go to the gym in the morning. And it wasn't anybody in a leadership position. It was really just one of my boys saying, like, yeah, you stay out all night partying, and then you get up, and you go to the gym in the morning. And I'm like, go to the gym? I said, like, why would I go to the gym if I'm staying out? You know, I need to get some rest. Yeah. And it was just a mindset, and it was just a, a, I don't know, a standard. And just this past weekend, I had a program maybe we'll touch on that Definitely. you introduced Definitely. me to. Think Billion, shout out to Howie P. Yeah, Howie P. Um, but I, I saw a couple guys in the gym in the morning, and I was inspired by Howie P because we were up all day. It was like 7 to 9, and he's, he's um, tagging me in his gym videos at 11 o'clock at night. And I'm, he's like, yeah, got to get it in, got to yeah, get it pushing in. pushing you. Right, and then the next morning, there was a couple of us in the gym that were in the program and, you know, you made that eye contact where it's like, yeah, you're one of them, too. Yeah. Like, and it, it just kind of, it kind of, besides the fact that, you know, it's, the, it's already been proven that it makes you, you know, be in a better mood or be more productive throughout the rest of the day. I think it just gives you that edge. It gives you that edge. And other people look for that in other people um, that they're looking to build with. So yeah, you touch it, on that. It's crazy. I still do it. You know, not as not as hard as you do it, obviously. Nah, Check out the arms. <laughs> but in the morning, now it's at home, but it's a little set up. And, and, and it's crazy because even at this age, I'll, I'll say to myself, what are the other people in my position doing right now? Are they down here? Are they doing it? And it's like, maybe I don't need that. But to me, I say it to myself, which is probably psychotic, but it's what I do. Um, you know, a few years ago, I heard multiple people saying, lemon water to start the day. I don't know why, but I drink lemon water every single day. And I just, mm -hmm. that's how I start my day. It's mm -hmm. a routine. I, I, you know, I kind of put in here too. I said one day, I'm going to put a smile on my face before I put my feet on the floor. That is going to be my, that's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to come down and I think I do it probably 99% of the time, but it's just that routine. And there's people who talk about meditation. I don't do formal meditation, but the more I, I kind of learned about it, I'd say, you know, I could be at the beach just kind of staring and that's kind of your, it's a quiet mm -hmm. time. It could be in the car even, but so that's another thing. So you see all these people saying, this is what I do all the time. And it's just the discipline. It's the on switch. You know, it's just simple math. If you get an extra two hours out of every single day, your whole life, you know, now I'm 53. It adds up to a lot of time <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and it's the more people you meet journaling, which led me to write in this book, same thing. 
I heard two or three different people who were really successful say, every day I journal. That day I started and I just started filling up books. I never gave myself a time off. And it's just funny. He's like, sometimes I'll be walking down into my basement now where I do the workouts and I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing this, but it's just like, it's not even negotiable. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and those strong routines just, they build discipline, which is what it takes. And that helps you in, in your job. You hear multiple stories of people who killed it in sales and they're like, oh, I got to make a hundred calls a day. I'll make 200, you know, just simply I'll just double up. Mm -hmm. And, and there's, there's a lot to be said for that. You don't have to be great. If you're consistent and you work more than everybody else, just over time, it's just that compounding and mm -hmm. compounding. And yeah, I talk about kindness the same way, you know, compounding kindness. You do something good for me. I do something good for two other people. And we keep it's just it makes things a lot better all around you. And people people then want to be around you. And then the opportunities come to you. I hope y'all are taking y'all uh, notes. I'm telling I, you, I hope I'm you get one thing that get makes sense. Out. But uh, <laughs> seriously, just when, when you talk about your system, it's not just about the, co the competitive aspect is there where you want to know like, hey, I want to be, if I want to be different, you know, if I want to create a, a life for my family that's different than everybody else and I have to do different things. It's, it's just the work you put in, um, that's what's going to get you, you know, what you get out of it. But what stood out to you, what you said, and what I hear a lot of successful people saying, it's self-work. So it's, it's really, it's the meditation. It's you're working on yourself first and foremost, before you even encounter the world, you're getting out of before your feet hit the bed, you're making sure that you're smiling and showing the gratitude and appreciation for the day. Then you're going downstairs. You know, you're nobody really wants to do it. People yeah. think everybody just wants to work out. Who, nobody, nobody likes working out. <laughs> like nobody likes yeah, it. I haven't met too many people. Yeah. That do. You're right. Nobody likes it besides Anthony, <laughs> your son. And we'll touch on Anthony. He's younger though, but no, no grownups don't like working out, but all this self work that you're doing, um, to me, and, and you're right, it does compound, yeah. you know, the consistency, that's what to me sets your standard and you're going to recognize it in yourself and continue challenging yourself and everybody else is going to see it and want to perform to those same expectations. Right. And what you said, getting yourself right too. And you, we, you and I talk about Dale Carnegie stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, you talk about timeless and some advice that just never changes and it's always going to be, I mean, his books are 70 years old, but the one was, you know, driving in traffic and somebody zipping by you and cut you off and, you know, younger, I'd be like, you know, wanting to beep the horn mm -hmm. and screaming at him and get myself nuts. And then, then his perspective was, wow, I'm glad I don't have to be in that much of a hurry. And, you know, I don't have to drive unsafe like that. So now you sit back. So when I'm driving, I'm not getting, you know, again, my family would say, I see you get, I, I get a lot less of it. And it's just like, it is what mm -hmm. it is. Let it pass by you. I don't need to. I remember I had a story just a couple of weeks ago, two guys in a road rage, both started shooting guns at each other. Yeah. Both of them shot their daughters in their cars. I'm saying, what the hell? They could have both went their separate ways and went home, and the world's better for it. So it, you can't let the stuff get you upset. And getting your head right is going to make you be better to everybody else. And when you're in, you know, especially through COVID, everybody started to understand that then. Yeah, I work in a supermarket business, and our people were out there doing it, taking care of everyone, and people really appreciated them. And they were so kind at that point. But short memories, and people say, oh, I got to wait online, or this is horrible. And, and it's just like, Here's a person trying to do their best job. Be nice to them. Even if they get it horribly wrong, be nice to them. Be the person and say, hey, how you doing today? Everything good? Give them a smile. Because that could be the difference in the day for them. And you don't know the struggle that's going on behind their head. So I, I'm always trying to put that perspective in it. You know, my daughter Alex, we talk about that a lot too. And it's, you just, you just, you give them a pass. You know, they did this, they let you down, give them a pass. 
you know, maybe you don't want to be around that person going forward. That's okay too. Mm -hmm. But you know, you don't know what, what brought them to that and just be glad that you're in a better place that you didn't need to get there. Mm -hmm. It's, it's the extending people grace. That's a, that's a big thing. Yeah. And you mentioned how you finished up. You never know what somebody else is going through and it feels better. Of course, we're all like I was on the phone with Verizon earlier today, and this <laughs> that's lady, a frustration. You know what I mean? But <laughs> and it was more so because I'm at the phone store. I'm trying to pay, for, and the lady was nice. And I was talking to the the Apple rep in the store, but she couldn't hear my conversation. So I was very short. I'm like, ma'am, I'm in a rush. I'm trying to pay off my phone. That's all. So she's asking me all these questions, yeah. but she has to, and yeah. I get it. And Eventually, I got the problem solved in about two minutes. It wasn't even long. But when I hung up the phone, and I was nice towards the end, but as I hung up the phone. You gave her the smile. Right. <laughs> as I hung up the phone, the Apple uh, representative, she was standing there, and she said, yeah, like I'm, I'm sure they were really mean on the phone. Or, or made it seem as if like they were just frustrating me. And I said, you know what? Actually, she was nice. And it was just Then you felt me. worse. You yeah. know what I mean? I felt bad. I was like, you know, actually, she was nice. But, oh. you know, you just... It's, it's like I'm sitting there and I'm like, why am I even getting upset? Yeah. But I appreciated her. She wasn't, she didn't throw it back. She was very nice. So yeah. it almost made me feel like I should be nice. Right. You know, so yeah, that's the reminder yeah. you needed. Yeah. For the day. And yeah. It, it's the energy, that energy, you know, it, it, and it's so important to walk in rooms and just make people feel good. Yeah. And that, you know, that leads to, again, it's all this classic advice, like holding grudges, you know, somewhere it was said, uh, holding a grudge is like, eating rat poison and waiting for the other person to die. Mm -hmm. Cause you're walking around miserable thinking about what Dak did to me. I can't believe he did it. I can't. And you're, you forgot it happened. You're walking around having a great day and you're like, why do you want to let somebody in your head like that? Don't let mm -hmm. it go. And it, it, again, all of this stuff is easy, but you're like, you don't understand this situation, mm -hmm. what they did. You're right. I don't, there's some people that do some really bad things, mm -hmm. but you try and let it go and just don't let it screw up your whole day. Mm -hmm. You know, it might be a bad second, but yeah. you know, there's not going to be worth it. Yeah. Nothing good's going to happen from you being mad and, and screaming and yelling and kicking. And, and it's not good leadership qualities. It doesn't look good no. in any way to anybody. And I reading uh, Ryan Blair's book, and he said that either you're in control or you're out of control. And no to me, it's like so simple, but it's like, am I out of control in this situation? Am I letting my emotions get to me? Am I treating this person how I should be treating them, how I would want to be treated in this position? And it just allowed me very black and white. Some, sometimes things need to be black and white yeah. for me where it's like, well, I was kind of, no, are you in control or are you out of control? Are you letting your emotions get the best of you? So that's something that uh, I'm always looking for different things to give me gauges. You know, uh, hey, listen, you're always, you're always wise beyond your years. And that is one is if you got a team or you're leading a company, they're looking to you. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody could be great when the water's real calm. Hey, we're sailing along. This is great. Look, mm -hmm. the, the boat starts rocking and everything's going wrong and, and you're taking on water. If, if the captain starts freaking out and, you know, yelling and screaming and, and panic doesn't that's not good. You want a captain that says, no, hey, we trained for this, right? We, we got this. Here's what you're going to do. Here's what, And then everybody says, and, and now I look at those times and I say, this is another opportunity for me to show, you know, why, why I'm here, why I'm good at mm -hmm. what I do and why, what your worth is. So, you kind of look at those now and say they're opportunities because you know every day something's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Sometimes two, three, four things. You know, we have people that work in our company. They're going to get seven emergencies in a day. If you let the first one set you off, every day is going to be a bad day. You're right. going to hate what you do. If you look at it as an opportunity to help people, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to show them why I'm the leader. That's, then it's just like, hey, you know what? 
you just keep building yourself up through the day. Mm-hmm. No, nothing's unexpected. Mm-hmm. And it's it's almost it's a privilege to be in that leadership position because you have a larger impact on steering the ship. But that can be negative or positive depending on how you approach it. So this same book that I'm talking about, they were saying that if if we come in or you let's say you're on the job as a leader and you may just be uncomfortable or panicking, but you're not really losing it. But if your employees, the people following you, see you panic slightly, they're going to lose their minds. And it's going to like really like it's compounding, you know, exactly where, where you're just thinking like, ah, you know, I'm just a little upset. They're thinking like it's much bigger. But the good thing is it works that, like that on the positive side as well. So that's, um, yeah, a lot of good takeaways. I want to get into your kids. Sure. I want to sure. get into your kids. You One being of my favorite a father, topics. One of your favorite topics. He has two amazing children. Oh, thank you. Shout out to Alex. Shout out to Anthony. Um, like I said, that's my family. Oh, yes, it but, is. Um, you being a father, and I'm sure people are, are looking at it, they're probably like, yeah, I would love for this. Like, I want him to be my dad, you know what I mean? He's just so oh, chill. He's them, just yeah, so chill, right? I'm, I'm sure he's like this all the time, yeah, right? Yeah. But, um, but seriously, your leadership style, how has that affected you being a father? And how has that taught you certain lessons? And vice versa, the lessons that you learned from being a father, how has that made you a better leader? Yeah, that's great. That's a great way to phrase it. And I think... You know, when you're when you're a parent, you're growing up with with the kids, right? Because you know, you might be 25, you might be 30 when you have a kid. You know, on average, maybe younger, maybe a little older. But you're growing up. You're still learning. And nobody, I I always laugh. I say you got to take a test and get a license to drive a car. But a kid, they'll just give you for for having a you know, is born and you you get to be a parent, which is crazy. But um, it, it's a it's a process you learn. It's you know, I would say all of the enjoyment that I had in my life, the the best things that have come from it are from my wife and my kids. And that is watching them grow up and watching them evolve. And you, you, you make mistakes and you see them get hurt. You see them not get what they want sometimes. And that, that hurts you more so. You start to understand, you know, so as a leader, you feel more, you're more empathetic. You start to understand different things. Uh, sometimes the message that you give, like you said, like anybody's parents, you know, your parents tell you something, it may mean nothing to you. You mm-hmm. hear it from somebody else and then it's like, oh yeah, and you're like, wait, I was telling you that all along. So, you know, and I, I tried along the way, you know, to just share different things. If I read something that makes sense, I try and say, hey, this is something in all my years, this, this was something I learned from. You could learn it sooner. And, uh, you know, one of the ones I used to always say to them is what other people's opinion is of me is none of my business. And it was like just that confidence that you have. Like, I don't care if you think I don't dress right or I'm not the best at this or, or you don't like me. It, you know, that's you. That's you. That's not me. Um, so you learn from that. And then I think on, uh, on becoming you know, a leader in business, I say everybody's got a family. They came to work to do a job to take care of their family. So they're no, you know, it doesn't matter what your title is or what theirs is. Neither one of us is more, more important. We're both just trying to take care of our families. So treat them with the respect. Learn from them where you can. Take interest in them because, you know, you ask about my kids, I start to glow. You know, you ask about mm-hmm. their family, and that's what they're proud of, and that's what they want to talk about. So that that helps you to get better. And again, watching them grow in, in the different stages that they learn at, you know, it helps you to be better at communicating. And I, and I used this story the other day, um, and I mentioned it all the time when Anthony was you know real little and just learning to ride a bike. We're finally going to the street, and he's got like you know the training wheels, and you know we're driving. And there's you know curbs are like the side, you know the stones on the mm-hmm. side of the street. 
So he's young, and I'm saying, Ant, stay you know closer to the curb, and he's drifting to the middle of the street. And I say, Anthony, stay you know stay closer to the curb, and drifting again. So the third time, you know, I'm not as patient as I am today. I say, Ant, if you don't stay closer to the curb, you're getting off your bike, and he you know turns around his little head and he says, What the heck is a curb? And I'm like, Yeah, he don't know. <laughs> he's four or five, whatever it was. So. It's just one of those things that sticks with me today to say, you know, if somebody doesn't understand what I'm saying, I'm not saying it right. Mm. You know, so those, those are just, there's, there's a million of them. But again, I'm thankful for, you know, they inspire me to do it every day. And, uh, you know, you can only be as happy as, you, as your kids and your family are. Mm-hmm. Damn. And thank God, healthy, you know. Parent advice, yeah, CEO yeah. advice, it's all the same. Listen, listen, maybe <laughs> some of it's good. I, I take advice from everybody. Mm-hmm. So my, my answers can change every day. Mm-hmm. And that's a good, that's, <laughs> yeah. it should be. You know, it that's should be. something that we're I, evolving. Yeah, I always try to make sure that I don't have the same answer last year that I had yeah. this year. But if, sticking with the kids, you know, your oldest child is a daughter. Correct. Alex. And then you have Anthony. When it comes to Alex, as a man raising a daughter, how obviously it's a little different than raising Anthony, I would assume. But with raising a daughter, is the example that you set like do you do you hold? Does that make you want to? Because you're setting an example for what? You know, <laughs> that, this is a question I mean? for Sam. She, so she, Sam, she might give totally right, different right. answers. No, you know, no, I'm kidding. But 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 seriously, you as a dad, you know, obviously you want to. I would when I have kids, you know, whenever that happens. I want to make sure for my daughter that I'm setting an example, yeah. not necessarily just spoiling her, but just setting her example for, you know, how a man, you know, should be. Maybe that's well, listen, that I, I say the one that, that I hear that, that makes the most sense to me is mm-hmm. parenting. You know, what, what the kids learn from you is caught, not taught. So you could mm-hmm. tell them whatever you want, but they're watching you every day. And when I would lose my temper, Sam would tell me that too. Hey, that's not, you know, you can't do that. And, and again, you always try and get better and better at it. I was fortunate. I'm, my sister is 12 years older than me. She's the oldest. I'm the youngest. She's 39. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. She's so, 39. Yeah. Stick with it. <laughs> but her, her kids, uh, when so my nieces and nephews, when they were born, I was around them a lot. So I got to be around little infants. And, and my niece, Marissa, is, is phenomenal superstar, too. And I got to see, you know, how you treat, you know, the boys were roughhousing with them. The girls were different with them. But you got to see a different example. And, you know, yeah, it's not a lot different. Be good. Be nice. Be kind, listen to them, mm-hmm. do what they want to do, always have energy to get up and play with them, never say no, mm-hmm. and it all works out. So I don't think it was a ton different. You know, it, it's harder with boys. Maybe you're a little tougher and you want them to compete more at certain stuff. But Alex was crazy and cheerleading too, so she was, you know, super competitive with that. And they they both have super qualities, similar but different. Let's stick to that. <laughs> when it comes to something I think a lot of parents can learn from, Maybe the kids too, but placing your, I I see it a lot when it comes to my friends and just people that I went to school with that weren't necessarily, how can I put this? I don't know. Oh, you're being a politician now. Yeah. (laughs) But no, I'll just say it. They were disappointed with how their high school, college careers, whatever went. So they placed so many, just put so much pressure on their kids to be. You know, they were in like fourth, fifth grade, and it's going to be the next Michael Jordan. That's going to be the next LeBron. That's going to be the next There's a um, lot of superstar them football player. There's a lot of them out there. H- how, do you, how do you deal with that? Because it's tough for the kids because a lot of times the kids, you know, they see their parents. The only, if the only thing my dad gets excited about 
is watching football on Sunday, then what do I want to do? Yeah. I want to make my dad proud, you know? No, you're right. And they, they're seeing that. And I, I tell you, some of it is if you get the opportunity to coach them when they're real little, be the co- like little kids want to have fun. So the, the guy who thought he was the superstar baseball player, he's trying to teach them, you know, how to throw a curveball when they're four years old. It, it, soccer, you know, I got to coach him. When, at a certain age, I can't, I'm not even qualified to coach him. But when, he, when Anthony was little and I was little, I'm like, hey, guys, all we're going to do, move the ball that way. Get it that way. And, and it was have fun. Have mm-hmm. fun. And, and that's what you do. And you see some bad influences. A bad coach early on that's got the wrong, you know, mm-hmm. that wants to be the superstar, it, it, it could turn a kid off from activities forever. And, and then that, that's tough. You don't want that. But, yeah, I, I think you got to – the hard part is if you do well in life and you're, you're doing things now, mm-hmm. my, this year is my best year of my life ever. And next year is going to be better. So I'm not looking and remembering high school and saying, oh, man, I was this. And, <laughs> and I was at, we, were, we were somewhere recently, and, it, and these guys were talking about games in sixth grade. And I'm thinking, let me get out of here. After a couple of minutes, I'm like, <laughs> I can't even believe it. But it's, it's, listen, and people enjoyed that, and that's mm-hmm. great. And to reminisce is cool. But yeah, don't put that on them. And I, it's just like, do what you want to do, be good at something, work hard at it. You may be working super hard, but just be in the middle of the pack. That's okay. You know, it is what it is. Work hard, enjoy. If you don't enjoy it, try something different. Always be involved in something. And it might not be – in the end, there's certain kids that don't want to do any sport. You know, mm-hmm. all right, then do a club. Just be active in something. Be good about it. Just like when you get a job. You know, go out there, talk to people, do good things, and it's, it's going to work out. But, yeah, it's weird. Kids' sports turned into a business a long time ago, and there's a lot of people who – you know, my son's going to be a four-time state champ. I saw – how many win so far? Okay, all right, he didn't win one yet, so win right. one. And then, then, win, then let's talk about four. But people do get caught up, and you see it in the kids' faces. And when they're spending $200 to have them spend an hour with a hitting coach, you know, what is that saying? The parents mm-hmm. get mad if they're not hitting. They're mad that they're spending the money. The kid's frustrated. They want to hit. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing just gets really crazy. And it's uh, you, you hope that gets better. But uh, sometimes like a pickup league or a flag football league turns into more fun than anything because the parents aren't there. Right. And you learn and you learned a lesson. That's yeah. what it that's what sports is really all about. And I think a lot of us get you know uh, distracted, you know, by I don't know. I'm not I'm not blaming Instagram anymore, but just <laughs> yeah. get distracted by the wrong things and not understanding like sports is just like anything else it's a tool to teach you certain lessons and skills that you can apply for the rest of our lives. And I don't think that we're necessarily focusing as much on the skills. We're just focusing on mu- like on stuff that is so like beyond where we are right now. It's like you're in sixth grade and you're making, you're already spending your first check, your kid's first check <laughs> when they yeah. make it to the NFL or when they make it to the NBA and all these things. And I, I don't know. One thing that, you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm using you to prove my point or to make a point because <laughs> I, I hope I, I prove just, it right. No, no. <laughs> and I'm going to ask you a question because, Kids, there's things that as parents, you know, and I can't say as a parent, but as a, I can say as a kid, but the things that your parents take interest in and that are on you about and congratulating you about, that's what you want to make them proud in. So if you're only interested in their sports, then that's what they're going to focus on. That's what they're going to practice all day. That's what they're going to invest most of their time in. But if you're also interested in maybe some tech stuff and coding or chess or, you know, let's learn about the trucking industry this, this yeah. week and let's read a Dale Carnegie book or, I mean, maybe we make it a little more interesting, but those are interesting. And I think that from a young age, if we just 
expand and diversify the things that we're showing interest in, it can bring out a lot more in our kids. Yeah, listen, we always joke. I say, you're going to be some father. You got you got lots of advice, and, and you're going to be phenomenal. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to take it. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, you might change it by then. But it is, listen, find something that they're interested in and then encourage them to do good things with it because it's hard. You know, I, I we were talking about it earlier. I have, you know, three older brothers, and they were all real good at, at sports. So in baseball in particular, so when I come along, they just assume you're going to be good. And whether you liked it or not, you're playing, and there's a standard there for you. So if you're not up to it, you disappoint everybody. So you don't want to put people in that situation. It's like, let's try it. Give it a shot. You like it? Great. No. I, you know, we used to joke when the kids were little, you know, my daughter played a little softball in there. Oh, they got a hitting coach. You know, it's $50 an hour. I said, listen, I'll spend money on a tutor long before I'm going to spend teaching somebody, mm -hmm. somebody to teach my right. daughter how to hit a softball. But there's people do it, and that's right for them. It's great, and sometimes it works out great. But you got you hope it's the kid that's pushing that wants to do it. And if they're saying, hey, I want to be the best pitcher in the world, you kill anybody and do everything you can do to get them to that spot. So bring them to camps, bring them to leagues. And that, and that's phenomenal because there's some kids that thrive on it. And like you're talking about you know, giving them that drive. There's some kids that really have it from the youngest age. And then every parent, I would say, yeah, encourage it as much as you can. But everybody's different. You know, Some of them love video games, and you say, oh, you spend your whole life playing video games, maybe they're going to make a career out of it, make millions. Now you can. Yeah, now yeah. you got people following you on YouTube yep. for money. So, you know, I just say try and understand what interests them and, you know, let the, show them what interests you, and hopefully you, you find some common ground. Yeah, show them some support. And yeah. Kind of let them fly. Don't, yeah, they don't, got a lot of pressure. Yeah. It's crazy. You see such you know, so many crazy stories in the news about these kids thinking they got real issues at a young age, and mm -hmm. to them it is real, but mm -hmm. you think, man, just – it could have been something to help them to not to realize it wasn't the end of the world. Right. All right. So we're going to finish up with a question that I got from your son. <laughs> and I, cause I reached out, I said, Yo, oh, Anthony, man. I'm interviewing he didn't your even pops. Warn me. He didn't even warn I'm me. I'm interviewing your pops. <laughs> you know, what's one question that I should ask him? And he wanted to, to mainly focus on the fact of sacrifice, you know, sacrifice and betting on yourself that you've taken certain risk in your life in your life to get you to this point. And I imagine that you have to have a certain level of confidence to do that. You talked about just changing different industries, changing different jobs. Every time you make a change, you're betting on yourself that I'm going to put in enough work in that new situation to make it better than the last. Tell me about it. Man. Anthony, you're deep. That's, that's a great <laughs> question. And thank you for always helping mm -hmm. him and taking interest in him. He's my guy. Yeah, no, he's the best. I, I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm uh, realistically optimistic. So when somebody calls me I haven't heard from in a long time, I just assume it's some great opportunity to bring me. Other people are like, why would you assume that? I'm like, because that's what it's going to be. And I'm going to just push and drive. And like I said, I'm going to make bad decisions, but I'm going to go forward. So, you know, Just Keep Swimming is that. It's moving forward constantly. Well, I, I talked to a lot of friends who, you know, when, when I first wrote this book, they're like, oh, my God, I always wanted to write a book. How did you do it? I said, you know how I did it? I'm going to give you the secret. Listen, I started. I started. I said, today I'm going to do it. And, and my wife, since she said to me when it was done, she goes, I didn't even know you were writing a book. I said, well, I'd rather show you than tell you. Right? I want to just get it done. But So that it, it, it's part confidence. Sometimes you're going to get scared, but I'm just always assuming the next stop's going to be the best stop. I'm going to keep moving forward. You know, we used to joke when, when we got engaged, I had changed careers. When we bought a house, I changed careers. When we had a kid, and, and my wife, and you need somebody who's by your side who supports you, and she did, and, and she, never, she never doubted. So she had the confidence, too, and that gives you more for yourself. But we just kept pushing. Oh, sorry. We just kept pushing and pushing, and, and it's, 
I'm, I'm ready to do the work. You know, you, you know on the field, you're ready to, somebody's going to have to kill you to take your, take your position. And if you got that instinct in your head all the time and you're ready to do more, um, it, it's going to work out. And guess what? If it doesn't, that same attitude is going to get you. It may take two more months or another year, but that attitude is going to get you. You're going you're gonna to get past everybody because it's just, it's just a difference maker, um, and, and you get more confidence over time. But I would say to everybody, you, are, you can succeed. you got the tools that you need to do it. Whatever the room you find yourself in, just be listening, be open to getting a helping hand, and, and it works out. It's just uh, So I thank Anthony for stumping me. I'm going to smack him for not giving me a heads up <laughs> so I could prepare, but no. Nah, Appreciate you, Anthony. No, nah, that's great, Ant. Yeah, and, and everything that you just said, um, I think it's a good way to finish up with a lot of advice that we all can take from it. And obviously the podcast is all about elevating in different ways. But I'm going to have you finish off, and I was kind of playing with it in my head. Don't make me rap the song. I, I, I know it, but I can't song. say it. No. But <laughs> – I want you to tell me what your life is going to look like a year from now. It may be the same. It may be more consistent in different areas, but I want to always got to put the challenge out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny. You hear a lot of these, well, what are you trying to drive to? What are you mm -hmm. trying to get to? Things are very good right now. I mm -hmm. love the people that I work with. I, you know, I love the family I got around me and the mm -hmm. friends that I have. Um, I, I got good health. Thank God. And that's, you know, that's not a, never a given for anybody. So I just want to, I, I want to help more people. I want to learn more, read more books, you know, help, help the company that I'm, that I'm in the role for to do better for the family. Um, cause they're phenomenal people and it's just doing more of what I'm doing. Like I said, the, these last few years, every one of them's just been great. It's, you know, I get to deal with really good people. You start to understand the people who you, know, you should deal less with. And, and I get in a role where I get to do that. Um, so just any time I get more time to enjoy with my family is a good thing. Um, you know, you do make sacrifices. There's times when you you got to be where you got to be. And there was years where I did some real grinding that was much more of that. Mm -hmm. I'm thankful that's not the role, and I would never I would never take another role. Even you know, somebody come to me today and say, "Hey, we'll we'll triple what you're making to do this to travel all over the place." That's not not something that's success for me. So that would not be a good next step for me. So. Keep doing what I'm doing, spending more time with you, 100%. you know, podcasts, writing books, mm -hmm. and just talking to good people and, and just, just helping people. Everybody, I need y'all to understand this is who he is on this podcast in life. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just amazing to be able to have the relationship with you. We didn't even get into, we'll save it for the part two, you know, all the different um, charity work that you're into. Uh, I, I, shame on me for not bringing that up, oh, but... Everything that, you know, it just, real quick, I got I to gotta mention this before we end it. But I remember reaching out to you last year, and I just said, like, hey, do you need anything? Like, is there anything that I can help with? And you said, uh, you know, I said, well, what, what are you working on right now? What's the main focus? And you said, well, it's really, you know, helping out a lot of the college kids at Montclair State, you know, who it's, it's a problem, but not a lot of people talk about it with, a lot of students don't have money for food. And that was just an example of, you know, oh, I'm over here figuring out and worrying about, you know, how I can make more money and how I can do this. And I asked you, somebody that I look up to, and, you know, it's that, that, that just set the tone on your character, you know, for me. And it was just one of those things where it's just like, damn, like, 
this guy, this guy's superhuman. So uh, I, listen, I appreciate do, it. Doing what people did for me and and, and just that example because you brought mm-hmm. it up. So Marco State, I found out they had a food pantry, and I'm thinking, how sad is it that kids are going to college, they're making that effort, and they don't have food to eat? That that's just so. I, I want to do more than what I do, but you know, it's it's just something that was on my radar, and I'm saying, man, that's and I'm sure it's at a lot of other schools and other places, and it was just a need that I didn't really think of until somebody put it in front of me. So uh, yeah everybody does what they can do for mm-hmm. sure. But now this is awesome. I, I, I was your first guest. I, I'm first the best guess. one so the far. I know one, that for you sure. You will always be the best one. And, and besides, you know, waking up every day, like you said, with a smile on your face, whenever I ask you how your day is, it's always, it's a good day. I got some new challenges. You approach it like you're excited about it while I'm over here ripping my hair out and stuff. <laughs> so, um, everything we're definitely going to have you back because I think everybody can learn so much from you. Just like I do. This is the most selfless person that I know giving person that I know, um, whether it's giving in any area, but most importantly, just giving me the game and, uh, giving me the energy and love. So I appreciate you, big bro. I appreciate it, bro. It's fun watching you just blow up and explode and do great things. And, uh, it's been awesome. Thanks, everybody, for giving us time, too. Let's build together. Let's do it. All right. Elevate. Elevate. <laughs> ah, we here. Big fish shit. Ooh, ooh. Welcome to the podcast. Hope y'all enjoy it. Hope y'all learn something. And most importantly, we hope y'all elevate. Let's get uh-huh. it. Big fish. Hit a big lick. We gon' bet it right back and hit a big flip. We been up for a minute and we still lit. Get them cats going top, but we don't feel shit. We just giving y'all gems y'all can live with. Elevate your mind, never mind all the bullshit. Finna talk about stocks, we ain't worry about ops. First get the 